Hello and welcome to the Leaders with Ambition podcast series, the podcast that delves deep into the careers of some of the most successful leaders working in professional services firms across the UK, US and internationally. We aim to discover the secrets behind their success, the challenges they have overcome and to find out what traits make a successful leader. Hello and welcome to the latest in the Leaders with Ambition podcast series. And today I am delighted to welcome my guest, Robin Simmons. Robin is currently CEO at Wilkin Chapman. And it's going to be a really interesting story for Robin to share with us today, starting when um, way back when he joined a grad scheme in a media company in the marketing department and seeing how he developed his career, making the decision that he wanted to get some further education and he studied for his MBA which he did subsequently get, and how fortuitous that was, because it coincided with some of the big law firms deciding that they wanted more business managers to help run businesses, their law firms as a business. And I think timings is going to be something that Robin will highlight throughout the podcast today, and how sometimes, you know, he does talk about looks on your side, but I, I do think Robin works incredibly hard to be lucky, as many people do. We will then go on to discuss the some of the importance of not only networking, but being able to really develop emotional intelligence and how important that is when you're dealing with very bright, intelligent and sometimes challenging people within law firms. So that's something that we will highlight in the podcast today and the importance of having a very clear, defined plan and strategy and getting people on that journey with you rather than just telling people what to do. So there'll be a few points that will come out today that I think will be really interesting for people to listen to. So Robin, without further ado, I'm going to hand over to you to bring your career history to light for us. Certainly, Nikki. Thank you very much for that introduction. And it's great to join you today. If I just perhaps kick off even pre-career in case that's uh, of any interest. I was born in Bedford, went to school there, one of uh, five siblings, three sisters and a brother. had a good time at Probably didn't work as hard as I, as I could have done. Uh, I was very, very into my my sport and particularly team sport. And that played a big part of my sort of pre-career life. Played to a reasonable standard at, at a number of sports. But I think more importantly, sport gave me my first insight into leadership and operating in a team environment and the importance of culture to be successful. So that's really why I mentioned the sporting thing. It also played to my competitive spirit, which I think also carries on nicely into working life. After school, went to study business management and German at uh, London University. And then uh, the career started after that. So I'll try and, um, as you say, Nikki, bring, bring that to life a little bit. Started off uh, on a marketing uh, graduate scheme at Miller Freeman which was part of United Business Media at the time, a FTSE 100 company. That was a great introduction to the world of business and got me interested in the the whole marketing and business development side of the commercial world. The part of the company I was working for was then acquired by Centaur Media. So I moved across with the business and after a little while was promoted to what they call a publisher, which meant I was running a small portfolio of, of magazines and exhibitions and that was really my first experience of, of what I'll call real business management so PL yeah. responsibility uh, strategy 
business management skills, particularly finance, HR, and marketing. They were probably the areas that I was, I was most focused on in that role. And that sort of took me to the next level, I suppose. And then latterly at Centaur, I moved up into the role that it was called Head of Corporate Development, which was a great opportunity to work with the founder of that company and his executive committee on implementing the strategy of the business. So what that meant was, was of course, it, it enabled me to step out of the, the day-to-day running of a department and really look at the bigger picture at a corporate level. So I felt that that, that time at Centaur, Miller Freeman and then Centaur, was a nice introduction to the world of business, albeit outside the legal sector. Yeah, what an amazing opportunity there. There's not many people so early on in their careers would have the opportunity to work with the executive board and also the owner, founder of a a firm. It it must have been amazing for you to be part of that. It absolutely was, Nikki. I was was probably in my mid to late 20s at the time. So it was a great opportunity to to get exposed to senior people, the, the the founder, the CEO, the chairman, his executive committee on a day-to-day basis and really understand how quite a large company, I think we were about 300 people at the time, uh, a reasonable sized company, how it operated and the, and the sort of discussions that, that they had at that level fairly early on in my career. So these things, even if they happened a long time ago, I think they, you know, they're still relevant, you know, 20 or so years further on. So yeah, great opportunity, like you say. And so then as you wanted to, to, to do some further study, obviously the MBA was something that you really focused on. Why was that? Yeah, that's right. So while at Centaur, I, I undertook a, an MBA. I thought twofold, really. I thought it would help me do the job more effectively that I was doing at Centaur, particularly that corporate development type role that I'd moved into latterly. But also thinking long term and thinking slightly selfishly, I thought it would be a good investment in my career in the longer term. And hopefully that's exactly how it panned out. So I completed uh, that MBA in 2005. Uh, And as you said in your introduction, timing was fortuitous, shall we say, because at that time, some of the bigger law firms were just starting to employ what I'll call professional managers, professional business managers to help the partners manage those law firms or practice groups or regions or offices within those firms. So the timing was great when I when I came out of um, that MBA. Uh, it was all I, planned, obviously, Robin. Of all course. No, I think there's <laughs> a, good, a good chunk of luck is always, is always required <laughs> along the way. But as you, again, as you said earlier, and it's a bit of a cliche, but to some extent, you can make your own luck, can't you? Yeah. If you if you put yourself out there, you challenge yourself, you, you add new skills and strings to your bow along the way, then, then then you can create a little bit of luck. And then if the timing's right, as it was for me back in the early 2000s, it, it, it can work out quite well. That's when I joined DLA Piper, because they were one of the first firms at the time who were employing those, those business managers to help the partners manage the firms. And really forward the- thinking as well, because, you know, as you say, back then, law firms were very different and they were structured in a very different capacity. So it must have been exciting for you to be one of the first people to really be able to embrace that role. Really exciting. Yeah, I was one of at the time, I was one of two, only two business managers across the whole of DLA or certainly, certainly the international part of DLA, which is everything outside the U.S., one of only two. So it was a really exciting to be joining a firm like that in a role that, that was new and, and developing and, and clearly growing. And, and obviously there are, that function has developed enormously yeah. both, both at DLA and across the whole industry. And rightly so in my view, of course. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't it? It enables people to focus on what they're trained to do, whether it's 
being a lawyer, being a fee earner, or, or being a manager and being a non-fee earning leader of a, of a law firm or part of a law firm. So absolutely great timing, very lucky, but it's uh, it was a great foundation for what followed. I mean, in, in that role, I was I was thrown into the deep end to, to a great extent, and I was lucky enough to work in the litigation practice at DLA, the international practice. So that was covering about 30 offices in 20 countries, about 900 people in, in that practice group at the time. And it was a really broad, all-encompassing role, looking at strategy, finance, people, marketing, technology, risk, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a steep learning curve. It was very exciting. And it was my first role in the legal sector, of course, which added a whole new a whole yeah. new dimension. How did you find that? You know, as, as you say, going into a partnership environment is very, very different, particularly to your previous experience, even though you had exposure to the executive team mm. previously. How did you find it initially? And how did you then morph into being able to really get buying from the partners? Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest challenges um, was undoubtedly that shift from a corporate model into a partnership model. I, I was lucky in many ways because uh, I think partly because the role was new, that that was helpful. That enabled me to shape it to a certain extent. Yeah. But also I was lucky because the individual I was working most closely with, who was the global head of that practice, was very good at delegating responsibility and authority to me to to do things and get things done so that was helpful but undoubtedly that shift from a corporate model to a partnership model is is one of the biggest challenges for an operational professional like myself the big difference is having the shareholders of the business working with you in the business day to day rather than being shareholders externally and you have to interact with them day to day and i found one of the the key ways of dealing with that challenge, certainly in the early stages, and I suppose it becomes somewhat innate over time, that ability is to to make sure you build really strong relationships with the right people in the business, in the practice group, whichever part of the firm you're working in, build consensus around proposals or things that you want to do or you want to recommend, plans you want to, you want to put forward, and demonstrate that the value that you add to that practice uh, quickly, uh, and day to day, and I and I find that one of the simplest way of, of ways of doing that is getting things done, making beers yeah. lives easier, um, supporting them in achieving what they want to achieve. The the beers and the partners in 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 the firm that you're working in, that has to be a, a key part of, of demonstrating that value quickly and on an ongoing basis. And then the other key one of the other key points that I. I'd like to flag is the emotional intelligence point, which you mentioned earlier in in your introduction, Nikki. So, so important in a partnership model, I'd say even more important than in a corporate model. You need to be able to, to read the room, of course. You need to be able to bring people with you. And it's it's about that, that those skills of persuasion, ability to bring people with you rather than telling people what to do, because that rarely works in my experience yeah. uh, in a partnership model. So, um, yeah, a, a big challenge, but but an exciting one at the time. And actually, I, I say at the time, it's an ongoing challenge, I think, isn't it, for people like me in, in roles like mine. Um, and it's one I work, I try to work hard at every day, uh, even now, tw- 20 years on. So, yeah, a big challenge for sure. It's great. And I know that you found uh, your love and passion for the legal sector as well when you're at DLA. And it's something that you've continued to develop your career there. So what is it about... The legal sector that really make, gives you that passion and and the the sense of fulfilment that you're getting out of your career. I always had a sort of a slight connection with the legal sector. There's there's plenty of lawyers in in my family, 
So it was always in the back of my mind, I suppose. But then when I became involved in it with DLA uh, originally, it just felt like the the sector that I wanted to spend the rest of my career in at that time, full of smart, challenging people, uh, operating in in a really a quite demanding environment, but a rewarding environment, both both yeah. from a conversation perspective, but, but but in other ways as well. So it, it just felt like at that point I'd felt I found the sector that, that I wanted to to, yeah. to remain in for the rest of my career, and that's uh, thankfully how it's panned out. Yeah, that's good. Well, so you moved on from DLA, didn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, latterly at DLA, I took on a couple of additional roles as well as the practice group role. I was I was the um, location head for the practice group, but also I I took on the role of the Africa strategy while I was at, I was at DLA. And at that time, Baker McKenzie were looking at developing their Africa strategy. So after t- ten years at, at DLA, Baker's approached me and. Um, I took that opportunity to, to move over over to them with with a focus purely on Africa. It was a new role at Baker's as the role was new at, at DLA. Well, timings again, you see, Robin. Good timings. <laughs> lucky, exactly right. Yeah, lucky lucky on timings. And again, another fantastic role. I was lucky enough to work with the the chair of the EMEA region and the COO for EMEA as well to develop and implement the Africa strategy at, at Baker's. Uh, what an opportunity, Robin. It really was. It was a great opportunity. It enabled me to obviously get to know a, a, a new firm, which although a similar kind of size to DLA was, was and, and I believe still is, a very different type of law firm in many ways. A great opportunity to develop and, and implement a, a new strategy for a for an emerging market in terms of the African continent and, and develop my skills further get to explore in a business context a new part of the world which I didn't know very well which was really exciting and again get to work with some great challenging interesting people from all over the world which made it really really exciting. Just thinking back to your MBA as well you obviously needed the MBA to be able to get you into that business manager role in a law firm but how essential was the MBA in really helping to shape your thought processes enabling you then to continue with developing your career? I think initially it was really important, Nick. It certainly facilitated the move from uh, the media sector into the legal sector. I think without yeah. it, that, that switch would have been really difficult. The legal sector at the time, and to some extent still now, places great store in academic qualifications, and, yeah. and understandably so. It was absolutely essential to make that switch. And then I would say, certainly in the early stages of my legal career, it was incredibly useful to help me to frame problems and uh, solutions to those problems and to come up with proposals for the partners who I was working with at the time. So I suppose as I became more experienced, I probably lent on the theory, if you like, behind the MBA MBA less. But but even now, I still use certain frameworks, albeit not uh, overtly, you know, they're more in the back of my mind. I still use certain frameworks picked up on the on the MBA and then latterly on the Harvard Professional Services Leadership course, which I was lucky enough to attend uh, with DLA. I still use some of those techniques to this day. Yeah. So incredibly important. And, and, and I'm really, really pleased that I took the time and, and made the, you know, both the financial and the, and the time investment to do that after I started working as well. So I was, well, you know, I was into working life. I I thought I'd finished with academia and study, but no, <laughs> I did that, you know, having started my career and it's something I'm, I'm very, very pleased I did. 
Yeah, I think it's it's interesting the impact that it has had and continues to have, as you say. So, you know, talking back again about obviously you just mentioned there the amount of time and energy you were putting into your work, also into ensuring that you were achieving the MBA and also that the the Harvard scheme that uh, was amazing for you to get a place on. Because I know it's really difficult to get a place on that. So again, shows that you are a very determined man. Was that coinciding with your family as well that you started to? Because I know family is very very important to you and actually it's probably at the core of why you do what you do is um, to ensure that you can help and support your family absolutely it was certainly pre-kids I think it would have been really tough to have done the MBA uh, working full-time and had children I can't imagine I'm I'm sure many people achieve that I'm not sure I would have been able to so it's pre-kids and that was challenging enough but yeah it's yeah, family are really important to, to many of us, aren't they? And, and they're a big reason that I do what I do. We all work extremely hard. Uh, we all make sacrifices. One of the sacrifices personally is I spend a lot of time away from home. Now we can look at that two ways. Maybe the family don't mind that too much, or maybe they do. But hopefully in the long run, they'll forgive me for that. Because as with many of us, we do what we do often with family playing a really important role in that and a, and a, a big motivator for the sacrifices that we that we have to make um yeah so yeah it's probably much calmer when you're not there in I'm all sure honesty it is. yeah I think it is I think I did I think I want to get when I do get home I, yeah, I'll probably disturb the routine and, and and generally don't help very much but there we go <laughs> I try yeah the highs and lows yeah so you you were talking about the role um, at Bakers and, you know, as you say, it was a new role. So you're really helping to establish something quite different and, and niche. How did you go about this on the networking piece? Because I know networking is something that's very close to your heart and something that you believe that to really accelerate careers, we need to ensure that we are doing the networking and really focusing on connections. What impact did that have on you, in your role? A huge impact. It's it's non-negotiable, isn't it? It's something that you you have to focus on. You have to, I believe, invest lots of time and effort in, even when you might not feel like doing it. And yeah. a lot of people don't feel like doing it, um, you know, a significant amount of the time. And it doesn't come doesn't come naturally to many people. I wouldn't say I'm a natural networker at all. So I have to I have to work at it and be conscious of doing so. But it's absolutely critical. I think without that networking, which of course builds relationships with people you need to have relationships with across your business. Without that networking and therefore the relationships, then it's really difficult to perform your role as effectively as you could. So, yeah, I can't overestimate the importance of that for being successful. And it's that's something I've, you know, I've certainly didn't appreciate early on in my career. It was, I perhaps found it easier then, and you have to perhaps work harder, harder at it as, as you as you move through. But um, so so important, particularly in this partnership model that we that we talked about earlier. Yeah, well, if you're trying to get people to buy in, as you say, to take them on this journey, as you just mentioned there, you do have to have relationships with people. It's about building relationships, isn't it? And maintaining those as well, not just connecting with somebody on LinkedIn and thinking, oh, brilliant, you know, I've got another connection. But what? how are you enhancing and growing and developing? And in real life is very important, Robin, isn't it? It is so, so important. One of the most important skills in business, isn't it? 
Yeah, I agree with you. And what about on the mentoring side then? Because, I, you know, you mentioned your time when you were at Centaur and being part of the executive committee and, you know, being really pulled in by some senior people. And then your time at DLA when you were given responsibility by one of the partners there and, and probably that enabled you to do your role more effectively. So you, you had informal and formal mentors in your time. Mm. Is that something that you've searched out yourself? Is that something that people should search out or should it come naturally? I think it's so important, isn't it? And as you point out, I've been really lucky to either formally or informally have some great mentors over the years. I think they're essential, I would say, to, you know, to your career progression and, and enjoyment of your career. I think early on in my career, I didn't, I probably didn't appreciate the importance of them and, and therefore didn't seek mentors out. But luckily for me, naturally, they, they stepped in and mentored me and coached me and, and helped develop me through my early career. I think as I've become more experienced, I've appreciated the importance of it. You know, I've sought out mentors for myself and still do. Absolutely. Absolutely never too senior or experienced to have a mentor. I think it's, you know, it's important all the way through your career. So that's something I now proactively make sure I have in place for myself. Uh, And in the business I'm managing here at Wilkie Chapman, it's something that we put some structure around. So we make sure our young lawyers, our young uh, business services professionals, that we have mentor schemes in place so that people are getting the support and the guidance that they need early on in their career regardless of what type of role they're doing. It's just so important, isn't it? All part of the broader people strategy, but a really important part of it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, you know, more and more people, if if it's a sounding board, as you say, as you get more senior, it's as important at any stage in your career. And um, you mentioned, obviously, your current firm. So I know that at Baker's, you were COO. And I've always been very focused on your career, haven't you? I think once you decided that you wanted to commit to a career in the legal sector, you did have your sights set on being a CEO and really being able to be part of a firm that you felt you could have influence and be able to really help shape and move forward. And you made the decision to to move to Wilkin Chapman. That's right, Nikki. Uh, my long term aim was always to be, as you say, to be CEO of, a, of an entire firm, having been uh, had, had senior operational roles at Bakers and and DLA. And uh, in the other driver was that having spent most of my legal career in two amazing global law firms, I was keen to move to a firm where I thought I could have a greater personal impact on the business day to day. So that led me to moving to to Wilkin Chapman a couple of years ago, which is a leading uh, regional law firm for those who don't know. Uh, We've got just over 400 people across four offices. So we're still a a good sized business, but we're also considerably smaller than your bakers and your DLAs of this world. So the role here is, is CEO. Uh, it's a fairly typical chief exec role, I would suggest, uh, responsible for the, the strategic direction of the firm and, and the financial performance, chairing the, the management board. And I'm, I'm really fortunate that I'm surrounded by an outstanding senior leadership team of uh, divisional heads who run the fee earning operations and the business services directors as well. And it's that group of about 12 of us who really shape our plans as we as we grow and move forward as a business it's a fantastic role and one of the great things about about the firm is that we're, we're big enough to have the 
infrastructure uh, and the resources to invest uh, in our growth, but we're also small enough to be nimble and to make decisions quickly to take advantage yeah. of opportunities when they arise. And that's that was something I was seeking. And I'm really pleased that that having made the move, that's absolutely what's come to fruition. And it's been just great fun bringing across that that big firm experience, I suppose, if you want to call it that, bringing that across into work into into the working Chapman environment. It's been great fun. And hopefully uh, it's enabled me to add, add lots of value relatively quickly because of the size of the business. And it's just a, a hugely enjoyable business and culture to be involved in. So that's been the, 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 the kind of the final move, if you like, to the, yeah. uh, to the current position. Tick socks and boxes. And, and you mentioned culture there. And you've mentioned culture a few times as well. I know that's really incredibly important for you, isn't it? How do you go about creating a culture in a law firm, because you've got lots of people, as you say, lots of really smart, bright, challenging people. And you've got people that are running their own business and you've got business services. You've got you know, lots of different mixes. How does that all come together? And how do you as a chief executive make that happen? It's really, it's so important, isn't it? Culture for me is, is one of the most important parts of the of success in business. And it's something that, that I personally and we as a business work extremely hard on, on every single day, just maintaining our culture. I think, you know, you, you can put in place really important frameworks and, and, and structures to help develop that culture. So we, for example, put in place a number of values called our stair values. We have stair ambassadors across the firm. We give awards to people who exhibit the right behaviors and values of the firm we celebrate it all the time whenever we can and we really recognize people who are living those values that's the important thing it starts it also starts from the top so so myself but more importantly perhaps the the leadership team the partnership base the business services directors the, the senior lawyers they that group of people really need to lead by example in terms of really living the values of the firm. And that, yeah. that's how we certainly maintain our culture and hopefully strengthen it further. And then I think the other, it has you have to mention it, you know, when you do come across behaviours that are contrary to your firm's values, you need to call them out. You need to address them. It doesn't matter who's exhibiting them, however senior they might be. They need to be called out or be in a respectful way because... It's really easy to undermine and, and damage a good culture very, very quickly. And, and a small number of individuals can do that in a big organisation. So tremendously important. I think implementing strategy is relies on, on a number of things. And having a good culture that supports that strategy is one of the absolute essentials. So I and we work on it really hard every day. Right. I love the calling out. That's so important, isn't it? That's uh Really good point around that. And and what about challenges facing people like yourself, chief executives in law firms at the moment? What would you say are the biggest biggest challenges? I think um, there, of course, are uh, many significant challenges. I think that w- w- one of the biggest ones uh, in our industry is talent and finding and recruiting the talent we need to to grow and to develop. That's something that we work really really hard on but as you 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 yourself know Nikki in in the um, business that you're in it's it's arguably the most the most important part of the the people strategy is is making sure we've got the 
got the right talent in the business and of course retaining them so retaining it yeah, yeah it's so important that's 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 key isn't it we've 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 certainly in the last couple of years really um boosted our our recruitment activities and that had a great deal of success and that's contributed to our increased headcount and we've we've also you know improved the quality of the people in the firm and then allied to that we've uh, reduced our turnover rate from sort of early 20 percent around about that area down to 11 12 percent which i think is probably a, a more great it's it's probably below industry average. Yeah. You'll know better than me. I think it's really it's favorable to industry average, but it's also I'd also say it's a healthy level of turnover. I think a bit of turnover is good. So yeah, if I was to pick out one thing, it would be acquiring the talent that that we and I'm sure other professional service firms and law firms need to you know to to achieve their goals and, and to grow in the way that we're trying to. Yeah, I think it's interesting how many people that I speak to. That, and that's exactly what they say. It's around talent attraction and and how to really ensure that you're keeping the talent, that you're growing people, and that um, you know culture as well is so. Is the other thing I think that people talk about, which obviously you addressed. So, what about your personal highlights? And what would you say have been your highlights throughout your time? I suppose the overriding highlight is is achieving that long term aim that I've had in had in mind certainly since I moved into the legal sector in early two thousand. So what's that? Yeah. Nearly twenty years achieving that objective of be, becoming a CEO of a of a leading um, a regional firm that that's undoubtedly the big highlight for me. And then I guess lots of smaller ones along the way. Being invited on the Harvard Leadership Program was a great honour when that happened at, at DLA. So that would that would certainly be a highlight to spend time at, at Harvard Business School, which I never thought I'd get the opportunity to do. Yeah. It was only for a week. I wish it was for longer. Well, um, that must have been, again, amazing. So you're around, you, you are surrounded by really brilliant, bright minds. Did you feel that you fitted in or did you get any imposter syndrome then, Robin? <laughs> <laughs> certainly a bit of the latter, Nicky. Definitely, <laughs> definitely a bit of the latter. But, you know, it, it's all part of growing isn't it and, and, and hopefully rising to a bit of a challenge but yeah it was it was certainly intimidating being surrounded by you know lots of really 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 smart people at the firm but also being taught and lectured and interacting with with with, with the Harvard Business School professors who who in themselves were, were fairly scary individuals um, <laughs> did, you get, that, did you buy yourself Harvard jumper absolutely yeah, <laughs> I've still got them <laughs> love it yeah definitely and then you know that way you can claim you spent several years there yeah exactly of. fabulous <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was a, that was a great highlight and you know having the I could go on Nikki and there've been so many but having the opportunity to work at two two of the best global law firms in the world clearly massive highlights and having the opportunity to basically travel to all parts of the world in a in a business context is a really Great honour, isn't it? I've been really lucky to do that, so I'm I'm alive to that that, that fact. Yeah, so yeah, loads of highlights along the way, and and, and now having the honour of um, of leading this particular firm is is a massive highlight, uh, and one I'm enjoying greatly. It's really good to hear. And challenges, then, what would have been your personal challenges throughout your career? We've probably touched on on many of them, actually. You know, big challenge was moving from. From the media sector to legal sector, very different, different types of people, different challenges. That was clearly a big one. The switch, I suppose, you know, allied to that, the switch from a corporate environment to a partnership model at the time was a big challenge. It's something I still work on now. It remains a challenge. But um, 
Yeah, those are probably the ones that, that jump out at me, Nikki. We've, we've probably talked a little bit about both of them. But, yeah. there are, you know, there are many day-to-day challenges, you know, and every no day turns out how I expect it to at the beginning of the day because things pop up and they're, they're normally people-related. Probably oh, more often than not people-related, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. And I also think, you know, as you mentioned earlier on, the the investment that you've put into ensuring that, you know, your emotional intelligence has been as good as it possibly can be so that you can get people to buy into what you're trying to achieve, I think is so incredibly important. And I'm sure one of your highlights as well. So yeah. what about words of wisdom to share? Words of wisdom? I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a lot of wisdom in there. <laughs> I mean, I think there are certain kind of principles, if you like, or, or structures, which I, I, I tend to try to work to in order to, to get things done. So if, yeah. if we can consider those wisdom, then I'll share. I like that. Yes, I'll, let's put the play on that. I can share, you know, my thinking around that a little bit. And, and again, it's all, it's it's not complicated, this stuff, but I think sometimes we can be guilty of over, overcomplicating things. One of the one of the guiding principles I, I, I try to stick to is to make sure that, that, that you have a clear plan, whether you're the CEO of a firm or the COO or, or, or operating a dif- in a different way in, in, a, in a law firm, make sure you've got a clear plan. Make sure you've got the relevant stakeholders on board with that plan. They, they buy into it and they, they understand it. So I spend a lot of time consulting, if you like, with stakeholders yeah. around proposals or things I think we need to do as a business make sure everyone is aligned with that plan. I, I use the word alignment quite a lot because if people aren't aligned with your strategy, it's going to be really difficult to get it done and to implement it. So in addition to having a, a clear plan uh, and making sure everyone is aligned, and we've touched on the third element, make sure your, your, your culture is strong and it supports what you're trying to achieve. So for me, strategy, alignment and culture are absolutely key things for success certainly in my role and I'd suggest yeah. it in, in many others as well yeah I think that's great and um, principles I'm not going to say words of wisdom great principles to <laughs> yes um, I think I just yeah, want to say thank you again, yeah get the lights on, lights yeah. on. <laughs> hopefully only only not metaphorically just actually yeah, I think it shows that you really care about ESG there that's a positive yeah, well, exactly yeah it's a big that is a big focus actually we're we're just trying to get our ESG strategy articulated. We've not had one before. Interesting. So, so that's really interesting. The real, you know, I'm, I've introduced the thinking, if you like, to the business. We already do lots of great things, like the lights going off after however many minutes of, yeah. of no movement. That's just one small element, of course. But um, and we do loads of loads and loads of good stuff around the various elements within ESG. But we've not articulated our strategy before, so so I'm working hard to pull that together. Uh, at the moment and that's a really exciting thing to do and it, obviously it's something the big firms are, are, are way way ahead of us on but we're you know we're playing catch up and uh you know it's important to our people it's important to our clients and it's the right thing to do so more to come on that I hope yeah I think it's interesting actually that you know you talk about when you talk about talent and being able to attract and retain people people really care about ESG as well and if if you've got an actual um, belief system you've got a policy that people are living and breathing as with the culture then you are more likely to get the people the talent that you need and want and it shows that as you say you want to make a difference you're not just ticking the box and that's that's great and 
Robin, I have to say thank you so much for your time today. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. Definitely taking away that timing sometimes and timings and luck can go hand in hand and that you have to work incredibly hard to be lucky. Uh, and also, you know, that importance, as you were saying, of networking and really building relationships with stakeholders so that you can take people along on the strategy and get people to buy in and ensure that you achieve what the firm wants at the end of the day. So thank you so much, Robin. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Nikki. It's been great to talk to you. Take care.